Hey, it's Donnie Bobine. Thanks for checking out the show. Just want to let you know that each week, I literally bring on some of the best in the world to coach me on growing my business. What you're going to hear is live conversations I've had with some of the greatest business professionals in the world as they guide me how to grow my company, Success Champion Networking. This is real. This is raw. This is completely unfiltered. And it's really them pouring into me so I can grow my business. My hope is as you listen to this, that you'll get real value that'll help you grow your business. Do me a favor. If this brings you any value, please leave me a review wherever you're listening to this. And that would mean the absolute world to me. Harry Potter and business. I don't think there's a better way for me to be able to talk about business. I got to sit down with Sean and he's built a fascinating company at the height of COVID when all the world was run into some sort of chaos. He took a bold step into a, you know, industry that was at a complete standstill and developed a new way to be able to bring Broadway into people. It's a fascinating conversation. And I'll tell you, I really enjoyed the idea of creating at times a chaos, taking risk and really having the resilience to make things move forward. We know going into this next year is going to be a tough year, right? There's going to be a lot of things happening. And I'm really telling you that if you will absolutely take action, look for the gaps in your industry and see what's happening, follow Sean's footprints as he walks you through his stuff. And he really gives me some timely advice on how to challenge my own thinking around entrepreneurship. So lean in, tune up. And let's get after it. We're really excited to bring you Sean. All right, Sean, I'm totally stoked for this one. I'm a massive Harry Potter freaking geek. So uh, this was when, when they actually sent a thing for you to come on my show, I didn't get past the words Harry Potter before I was already writing yet. Um, so as I've been building my business, I know you've spent a lot of years in the, in the Broadway game doing that. And I'm, I'm really fascinated with a lot of things there. But, you know, doing all the things you've done in Broadway, what aspects of building what you've built would work would apply to my business running b2b networking group and actually working toward really getting to scale yeah uh look i've been a kid that's been in the theater business um since i was in high school um and so i really until i became ceo of this business and started my own company i didn't really understand how things operate outside this particular world right since yep. then, I've done a lot of peer-to-peer -peer and a lot of uh, learning as much as I can uh, about um, other businesses and business models. And at the end of the day, it's just the same shit, man. I, I love it's just the same shit. It really is. It's greener on the other side of the fence, all right? Like, man, they've got it so much easier over there. <laughs> Broadway, um, air handling, um, restaurants entrepreneurship it, it's literally all the same building blocks and and i think the the thing here's the things that i've learned i've come away from it now i would say mid-career where i'm at right um it starts with who you are and how much are you willing to throw down to the mat to get where you want to go Dude, that's it i i, I hear you. how hard and how hard are you willing to push? Are you willing to get up at 4.30 every morning and go? And that means go on yourself as well as on the business. That's what I, my takeaway is. Dude, no, I, I, I'm with you. Um, I think most people start a business because they want this idea of freedom, right? Like, you know, let's start a company. You can set your own hours. You can set your own days. You can do this thing. And, I, and I'll be fully transparent. That's what I thought was going to happen to me. I didn't realize how much harder I was going to have to work, one, to get this thing off the ground, right? Uh, but two, That's right. to keep this thing actually going. I didn't also understand the mental and physical toll that building a business was going to have on me, right? You know, for sure. Uh, it, it's an absolute mental beatdown. And then you throw in there the Maltop cocktail of people which is the most beautiful thing in the world, the most pain, biggest pains in the asses in the world at the same time. And you've got, you know, a diabolical mixture that is set to take off or explode at any moment. You know, 
Um, as I've built the company, you know, one of the things that I'm fascinated by is how do we continue to get awareness? How do we get more people into our world? And I know like in a Broadway, you know, if you guys aren't out marketing those musicals or those plays and the likes, you know, there's a lot of uh, work and effort it goes to fill one of your auditoriums. We also do a couple of conference a years and let me tell you, trying to get people butts and seats is a lot of damn work. How do you guys do it so effectively and do it so well? Sure. Well, I, I focus on, I, I think I have two different leadership styles, which also then translates into, um, into how we market and how we sell our, our product. You know, look, again, I'm a guy, but it's a product. It's the end of the day. It, it's an entertainment experience and it's a disposable product to a certain extent to many, many people. Now, I feel differently about that. Mm. And, how, and the thing that makes me feel differently, the fact that I actually don't think it's, it's, it requires disposable income, the fact that I think it is a, a requirement, it's, it should be a human right to, to be experiencing theater is actually what fuels the marketing Love passion that. that I have. Right. And the reason, the reason why is look, we're a commercial business. We're not a not profit. Right. We, right. we live and die by the sword. Okay. <clears throat> However, I do feel that um, part of what the di digitization of humanity has caused is a sense of dehumanizing things. And we, we can read all the studies. Right. You can read all the different studies about technology and whatever. And there is a, there's a truth to that. And yes, technology does make. You know, many things can be true at one time. This is another big truth in business, right? right. Many things can be true at one time, right? Technology is amazing and awesome because it does awesome things. And then it can also do horrible things as well. So um, the thing that I'm finding, especially when it comes to kids and it comes to generations beyond us, is that there is a decreased sense of community. There's a decreased sense of connectivity, interpersonal connectivity. Um, decreased sense of empathy to some extent. I think we've seen a lot of that in some yeah, of the big sure. social problems that we have, right? And the thing that theater does, other than entertain and razzle-dazzle, yes, put that aside for a second, right? The fun part of it. It tells stories in a way that film and television can't. The fact that you are in the space with the person whose story it's happening to, and there's something about communication right? We know in interpersonal communication models, you send out signals, both verbal and nonverbal, the receiver receives them. And even if they don't verbalize, they nonverbal send communication back and then they're cycled. That's exactly what happens in the auditorium at the theater. The performers are sending out signals and information. It goes to the audience and it doesn't stop there. The audience then sends nonverbal or sometimes verbal <laughs> signals back to the actors and that communication. Now, you know, when you've had a really great podcast, right? Yep. You're like grooving and like the time has gone by and it's amazing, right? Because you're cycling on those ideas, right? That communication. The same thing happens in a theater. And what happens with that is the transference of ideas, right? From one party to the next, from the ideas of what's happening on that stage, the people in the auditorium can inspire them so greatly that they can leave that space and go out and change lives. Now, that can be many different things. Back in the 30s, there was a play called Waiting for Lefty, which actually caused strikes in New York City, a oh, taxi cab strike, right? People left the theater chanting, right? Like there's things like that happen. Or there's simple things where people go see a beautiful play and then they walk out and they re-engage with a family member who maybe they mm. has been misunderstood and it changes something in their lives. But there's something about that model of that theater now, that theater does. Now, I take that. And that's what we're selling. We're selling the transformative experience. And if you've mm. ever been to, if you've ever been to theater, right, that's what you're doing. It's the same thing that we, um, that a professional sports team sell. Right. Right. The example I give is, you know, I'll go to, I went to the Rangers game a couple weeks ago. Why am I high-fiving a bunch of dudes that I don't <laughs> even know? Because you're, you're having a communal experience. Right. There's something about the community that has just exceeded and you have this rapture experience. That's what happens in a the theater. And that's what I think that needs to happen, not only 
um, at the professional level, but at the grassroots level for kids in schools. And it gives them this profound sense of team, profound sense of community, because not every kid is going to be a sports superstar. Yeah, you know, I love this. Um, you know, it makes me think of my wife and I, we flew out to New York. We went and we wanted to go see Wicked. And so, uh, uh, phenomenal. Um, uh, and I'd never been to a Broadway musical. So the one thing that just totally flipped me for a loop is at the end, when they come out and start talking about the nonprofit, they all break character and start talking. I was like, wait, what the hell just happened? Um, it was the most bizarre thing for me, but I still remember everything about that experience. I can tell you exactly where our seats were. I can tell you the atmosphere. I can tell you. Uh, you know, everything about that moment because it created such a magical experience for my wife and I, I've never thought about trying to recreate that level of experience for others. Um, even in our groups, uh, in our, in our conferences, I always have come from it from an educational standpoint, how much can we pour into these people? But I hadn't thought about it from the entire experiential, you know, experience of, how does this wow them so much that they will continue to go out and tell all the other people about it? And look, Danny, I, I would say that passion that you have for education, that's the thing that's going to drive. You just got to figure out what is the special sauce that you have about education that's going to take that from a, you know, uh, from a level of just uh, transactional to a level of that that information is going to fuel the entire event. Look, we, we all had not so great teachers. And then there was always like one or two like amazing teachers, right? And that's education. Those teachers were performing. They were up in front of the audience, right? In front of their class. They're out there performing every single day. And sometimes, right, that's, you have to think it's the same type of thing. Now, as far as any business goes, that's what a CEO or an entrepreneur needs to think about. They're highly passionate. And you know the old saying, people don't invest in businesses, they invest in people, yep. right? And so they're highly passionate. What is it that they're selling that's themselves that they're going to take their idea to whatever that next level is? And, and that is what the special sauce is of the business. Yeah, I love that. I, the, one of the things that I can attribute a lot of our success to is the, how often and vulnerable I get out there in social media. Like I tell everybody, you know, that six months in, my wife's you know, Jeep was repossessed building a business. You know, we almost lost our farm to foreclosure. And I hear it. And, you know, I show up in a ball cap, a T-shirt everywhere. And one of my favorite DMs is, hey, thanks for showing up as you because it gives me permission to show up as me. So I've got that on a minuscule, small range. We're just trying to figure out now how the hell do we elevate this a lot louder? Um, you know, I'm going up against the marketing bros that are, you know, here's seven days, you'll be a millionaire crap and all that stuff out there where we're trying to hit it from a very genuine, authentic nature. So, um, uh, and a lot of people can relate to the story because they're either in that moment on their journey or they've been through that moment on their journey and they're empathetic to it because we all have hardships. So how do I expand that, that voice louder out there? So, uh, I mean, you guys have the luxury of you're bringing Harry Potter to Broadway, which I'm going to fly my yeah. ass to New York to make sure that that <laughs> happens. Right. Um, but, but you guys have that huge brand behind you. We're still building brand. How do you bring awareness to, to that without having that big brand name behind it? Yep. Yep. It is one stone static at a time. Right. So one my, my, I have, I have a couple hobbies or really only a couple cause you just don't got time. Right. And my, my ridiculous passionate hobby is to race iron man you know iron man races yes right? yes you crazy okay. people <laughs> 140.6 miles right okay great and so like i can't think about the, the marathon run that i'm going to run in about seven hours when i'm getting in the water like i i my head can't be there right so and and in the business we've scaled this business we're six years old mm. we have we we have scaled this business in six years six years ago man it's the same story as you my, my wife had to have knee surgery and my mother-in-law was visiting us and we had two kids and we had a two bedroom apartment and I had to sleep in the closet. 
<laughs> like I swear to you, I, yeah. that's the truth. While while I was I was trying to raise money to to fund the business, right. and I was waking up like in the middle of the night checking my emails in the closet. How do I know that, girl? <laughs> We've all been there, right? Yep. And so so what you have to focus is on on is what's right in front of you, and if as long as I think you're authentic. And you're true to your voice and true to who you are, right? Like I, I'm a t-shirt and hoodie kind of guy. You know, I, I, I am nope. too. I, my ball cap's sitting over here, right? That's just what I do. Um, and so, but I, the thing that makes uh, my business or your business or anybody who's finding success is what is it that that passion, that person who's driving, what's the passion that's fueling that, pers- that person? And, and again, how... How much are they willing to pursue that passion to at all, to all extents, right? To, to consistently, and, and that consistency is so key to wake up every single day and know that tomorrow is going to be one step further than today. And soon, if you really do that, if you genuinely do that, I firmly believe that in a year, two, five, six, you know, my wife and I talk about it now and we're like, holy cow, what is happening? Like it, it is a complete mind blowing situation. You know, where I was sleeping in a closet and three years later, I'm, I'm going to the Tony Awards, <laughs> right? And yeah. it's like, what is happening? Right, that kind of in- insanity. So, So, but that only comes from Doing the work and being true to the work and into the grind of what it is, there are, there are no shortcuts. Yeah, no, I've, I've I've found that you know every morning, you know, I'm up at three fifty, and I'm, it's not because of the the hustle and grind mentality. I have a full working farm, right? So if I'm yeah, going to get yeah, the yeah. farm taken care of and get the workday going, it's got to get moving early. But I started working or walking in January, right? Because I've never been a big health and fitness guy. That's just not been my thing. But um, I keep hearing a lot of people say that fitness is a major portion to be able to achieve the things you want to achieve. Um, how much do you believe that? And I know it's got to be a big portion because you're freaking running Iron Man like a crazy man. Um, uh, do you believe that the the fitness side of it is one of the catalysts that's helped you get to the level you've gotten so far? I think there's three key things that I've found that are working for me. Okay. One is, yes, it, it's, uh, and the fitness, the fitness is just an extension of discipline. Mm. That's all it is. Getting up every morning and as if I get up at 4.30, right? Oh, what a get up at 3.30. Nobody wants to do that, but there's a discipline in doing it and there's nobody watching you. Yep. Right? Like you don't have to answer anybody. So the discipline, the self-discipline of doing that. And that means like, again, I don't know anything about business go coming from the arts, right? The second uh, tenant that, that I'm a massive believer in is it's not being humble. It's curiosity. It is being able to say you don't know and being relentless in going to find the answer from the, from theater. Uh, I am learning and, and taking the, the, the discipline to focus on balance sheets and understand cash flow and understand venture capital versus private equity and rate, rate of return and ROI and IRR and all those, and all of those things. And, and being curious enough to not just let somebody else figure it out for you, but for you to understand it so because you're the expert in your field. Right. And you need to figure out how these general business principles apply to the unique situation that's your business. So that way you can use them as guiding um, instruments to be able to figure out your innovative, innovative way of doing something. Right. Yeah. So, so those are the, 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 the first two. Right. I'm just want to jump in on the, on the curiosity side of thing because it bit me in the ass hard um, because I did not understand it. So I early on was hiring because, oh, you know, tech. Okay, cool. Now technology is yours, 
right? You know, fin okay, finance is yours. And I literally was just giving things to people and kind of walking away. Um, and let's just say it cost me multiple six figures <laughs> once I yeah. realized that the things that I just passed off without any understanding or knowledge were built wrong or created wrong. And, you know, one of them we're still cleaning up the mess from. So, so I really like the curiosity thing. What's the third one? Being a good person. Mm. That's it. P paying it forward, not for anything in return, but genuinely just being a good dude. Kindness, respect, going out of your way for people, like just because, right? And eventually all those things, people will gravitate to people like that, right? Yes. When I was when I was a student, you know, I wrote all kinds of different people, wrote them emails and you know, or actual handwritten letters, and like I got no, no returns, right? I make sure I respond to every time somebody writes me. I make sure I respond, and sometimes it's, hey, I am completely underwater right now. I'm so busy. I I got your note. Give me a little bit of time, and I promise I'll get back to you. And you know, but I, and I do it, students. I take the time to answer those things or other colleagues who come to me and like, hey, I, what's your take on this, right? Those kinds of things, as well as, as you start to begin to build team members and, and employees, like I have many, many different team members for my personal friends. People think I'm crazy, right? <laughs> but, but, and people who became team members who are very close and near dear family to me, but it's because I treat them with tremendous respect and care and love. And this kind of goes back to what you were saying about the obligation of once you get there, right? I wake up every morning, not just knowing that I got a wife and, and two girls who are relying upon what I'm doing. I got my, my executive team's families, they have kids, nope. right? The, the middle management's team's families, who's, who's helping to take care of their mom, like all of those things what we're building an entire ecosystem of humanity is reliant upon the success of what we're doing hey donnie bovine here ceo of success champions networking and i just want to jump in really quick and tell you about the network success champion networking isn't for the beginning networker it's for the business people that understand that building a successful relationships is a two-way street requiring commitment from both parties involved Stop wasting time networking with people that don't understand how to leverage their network to generate quality referrals for you. If you're ready to network with business people that are tired of doing all the heavy lifting and want to build real partnerships that generate high revenue referrals, visit one of our chapters today at successchampionnetworking.com and I look forward to seeing you there. That is nothing. Yes, really. Very quickly. Happy birthday, right? man. You know, and healthcare and healthcare costs and all, you know, all the things, retirement funds and people's, you know, nest eggs and all those things are all built into it. And so you really do have to care at the end of the day about the people who you are working with and who are working for you to help achieve the goal that you've set. Otherwise, in my opinion, you're building a foundation that is faulty. Right. And then I, it, so this was a struggle for me also early on. I'm not a small talk type of guy, right? I, I want to get in and get to business as fast as we possibly can. And that's just how I'm <laughs> wired. Um, and we sat down to write our champions codes. A lot of people call them core values, but we call them champions code just because sure. like Knight's code. It sounds cooler. I love it. Right. And, and as I was going through, I wrote down one phrase. And I'm like, should this be a code? And then I'm like, I had to. So the one phrase is don't be a dick. Um, and that's literally one of our champions codes. And I can't tell you how many times I've been at the store and somebody cuts me off or anything else. And every ounce of me wants to scream, yell and everything else. And I see that don't be a dick flash up. I'm like, all right, cool. We got it. Um, but it, it, it's powerful. Um, it's not easy. To always be, and there's times, you know, you need to step up and be loud, but, but it, it's, it's not easy. Is that a natural talent for you? Or is that something you've learned over the years? It is 
absolutely unbelievably difficult to do. <laughs> Let's just be honest. Right? And it's true because what happens is emotions get in the way and people feel slighted and there you feel slighted. That's for sure. Yep. Right. And you, you want to retaliate in some way, shape or form. And at the end of the day, it only just is a poor reflection on who you are. And I've, I've started say, you know, my mantra has been when I've come to those moments, because I used to early in my career, man, I did have the self-discipline and my emotions to, to not retaliate. I did. Right. And now the, 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 the phrase I say all the time now is that says so much more about them than it does me. Mm. That just says mm. so much more about them than it does me. We're going to do what's right. We're going to continue on our laser focused path to success and everything else will just be like a duck and let it roll off your back. Right. And, and that really, really, really goes a long, long way. That's what leadership is. When your team or colleagues or people in your industry or other entrepreneurs that you meet realize that that's the kind of person you are, now you're really leading with integrity and character, right? And I'm not saying there aren't moments to be candorous and, For and sure. to hold people accountable. And in fact, that's the balance. That's when you, that's when you really know you're, you're uh, operating on all cylinders and you still like, that's where I'm at right now. What are the moments to be candorous? What are the moments to let it go? And, and identifying them and making strategic decisions about those moments to be able to continue to build momentum. But knowing that leadership um, really is coming from within and having the self-fortitude to be able to be good with it for yourself of the decisions that you make. Dude, that, that's powerful. Yeah, I, I found for me that the times that I've been a bad leader, which has happened over the years, usually came down to I didn't like the dude in the mirror at the moment. There was either something that was happening in my life or I wasn't showing up what I was like, I sh knew I should be showing up. And, and that came out in my words, my actions and, and, and the likes, um, you know, you can't, you can lie to the mirror, but you know, yeah. you're lying to yourself. Uh, uh so, um, how much personal work do you do, um, on yourself as you're doing all these things. I mean, I know the, the freaking running and all that, they're just ridiculously amount of a mental game. Um, same thing with business, but are you doing a lot of personal work along lines with it? <laughs> I'm only laughing because, you know, it, the personal work like permeates into like being a dad, being a husband, like, you yep. know, it's all the space too, you know, yep. you, and, and yeah, it's, it's every single day, you know, I mean, you're, we're all fallible and you know, there, I'm sure there's days, I know there's days, not I'm sure there are days where I've had just a shit day, you know, nope. and like I come home and like, I told you to pick up that, <laughs> yeah. Like, yep. and I, you know, and I'm not being my best self as a dad because I'm letting other stuff, you know, inform where I'm at emotionally. Right. And so, yeah, of course, all, all those things. And, but, but that's okay. And this is where I, this is my self work, right? This is where I'm at. It's okay. As soon as I identify it, I got to go up my daughter's room. I mean, I'm sorry. There's all kinds of stuff going on that doesn't justify it. I, you know, I have asked you and that doesn't justify it either. You're accountable for it, but how I handle it wasn't the best. And for me, I'm, I, to me, first being accountable for your actions and walking the walk that you talk as well as modeling out the behavior for my kids and for my wife to say, you know, we're all going to have moments. Um, but you, you got to identify them as quickly as possible and hold yourself accountable, hold yourself to the standard that you expect everybody else to be held to. That's my self-work. Um, and I would say then the other piece of it, Donnie, is I'm trying to learn and um, 
I am soaking up, man, as much as I possibly can. I try to be a sponge about everything I don't know. You know, if you check my, my Google things are like top, top, top 10 business books, you know, top, top 10 movies about business, you know, uh, like I'm, I'm trying to, so my entertainment, my downtime, or this morning I was on the bike for an hour and 15 minutes and I was watching the Theranos documentary. You know, because I'm like, I'm trying to learn. It's like, oh my gosh, what did I learn? What, what can I learn from these things? Being just every waking moment uh, that you possibly can, sponging up all other aspects of business and right to make yourself a, a better leader, better entrepreneur, better person. I think that's really key. What are the things that you do that, that fit into that. For sure. So one, I want to add a movie into your repertoire. If you haven't seen The Saint of yeah. Second Chances, uh, it's on Netflix. No, I haven't. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to watch it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's watch it good. Um, uh, it's about the old baseball hustlers, the guys who started the White Sox and everything. It's really, really cool. Cool, cool, cool. I'm going to move on that then. Um, yeah. I love documentaries, right? They're, they're just some of my biggest lessons, learnings. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm interested here because I had to stop consuming. And here's what I mean. I had to stop the books. I had to stop all the podcasts because I'm still in growth phase of business. And being in growth phase of business, a lot of things became a shiny object, right? And I don't know if it's just because I'm wired this way, but I would read a book and all of a sudden the whole company would be focused on what that book just said to do. And I'm like, oh. And it was like this, almost like my mind said, oh, this is it. This is that magic bullet. Until a coach and mentor of me said, you know, dude, there's no magic bullet, even though I wasn't like actually looking for that one trick pony that was going to make it all work. My mind kept going there. He said, there's no silver bullet. Your life is the silver bullet. And I was like, right. Um, so, so I know I have to be very protective of what I do consume. You know, this is why we don't allow the news or media in the household. Right. Haven't watched news in like 20 years because it's also damn negative. Um, but, but I'm fascinated with the people that can consume at the volume you're consuming, because I'm like, there's just no way that I could stay focused and moving forward without shooting off in different, you know, directions. So, so for me, there's a lot of coaches and mentors that are more accountabilities for me, um, because mm -hmm. I'm just one of those guys that you say, Hey, there's a hill, take it. I'm just going to move. Uh, so all my coaches and mentors are like, all right, Donnie, don't take any action on this. Let's just talk through this moment. Um, so that, that's yeah. been a lot for me right now. Um, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 how are you able to consume so much and be able to stay focused on the direction of your company? Yeah. Uh, I think that as I'm, as I'm reading through stuff or learning new concepts and ideas, uh, if something really speaks to me, I usually sit for it. For, I don't know if I was like sit with it, but I kind of, kind of living in it or I'll go back over it. And I, and if it really applies or I feel like it really applies in the moment, I'll start moving and I will change courses or have it allow it to impact the business right and i'm kind of a it's kind it, to me it's kind of like how i live my life it's a little bit i don't surf but i think it's like surfing i mean i've been surfing once okay i but think it's kind of like surfing that's as close as i get right <laughs> okay so so the wave comes and like you kind of ride the wave and then you paddle back out for the next one right and there's a sense of i i try to operate that the the universe tries to tell you things right or you're try, i try to be as observant as i possibly can and when certain things kind of enter your life you know i try to go this not this oh yeah this right and like and and speak to those things so for instance about two years ago i read um uh, a book called Exponential Organizations. And there was a lot within that book that I was like, oh, okay, this makes sense. I'm trying to scale the business. I'm trying to understand what it means to scale a business. What are the principles that are necessary to do that, right? And how can I apply them to my particular situation? And, and we did that and we did a sense of what, and the company 
believe it or not, actually scaled during, <laughs> during that process. Right. I was like, holy cow. Right. It worked. And then I, I w- like came upon the next one and there's other books in between that I've like start a little bit and I'm like, uh, this isn't really for me or this right now. Right. And I move on to the next one. And the next really big one that I came across that was highly influential was uh, Netflix, no rules rules. Right. And this man, man, I was a Reed Hastings book. I love this book because there was, it was really about, um, it's an intense book. There's an intensity to how they ran the business or how they run the business at Netflix, where it comes to discipline and talent density and really, uh, knowing the keys that make up what you want. And I jumped into that and I did a lot of things that I applied to the business that were theories in there. Right. And, and then that went on. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of okay with the things that work within the business that then I apply. We'll stick with the culture of the business. We'll stick with the daily operations of the business, the things that want to stick there because the team will absorb them and the things that aren't relevant or don't work for it will naturally, you know, attrish and and fall off. And so like, I'm okay. (laughs) My team, you know, is like, oh my gosh, what's, you know, and I give them a book like every six months or every year. And like, we really focus on that thing, but uh, it's a constant um, growth. What what it provides is constant momentum and constant growth for me, right? That's what works for me. I can't say that works for everybody, but I'm able to move quickly and um, grow ideas off that aren't working for me and try to narrow in on what does from the things that I'm. Uh, absorbing right uh it makes absolute sense did you know that this was the exact business model you were going to build from the get-go or has it evolved oh it's oh it's evolved okay. it evolves every single day yeah absolutely we're we're taking uh, and i'm trying to stay trying i'm trying to stay ahead of it i i have and the team has some really tremendous you know what we think of groundbreaking ideas, we're in a business that is uh, arcane. I think that's a polite way to put it. <laughs> it it's old as shit. Yeah. It's basically yeah. what yep. it is. Yep. You got to think, right? The Greeks, the Greeks. Right. Theater was a business, right? The, Fair. the Roman, like it's been around for that many thousands of years. Right. And, and, uh, however, I, I use this phrase. I tell, I set this story a few times. The thousands of years ago, the center of the theater business was in Greece. And then hundreds of years ago, the center of the theater business was in London, right? Shakespeare. Yeah. Right. That's it, right. And then now the center of the theater world is in New York. It has changed and we are ridiculous to think that it won't change again right the valid like, valid point that is a mind-blowing thought for theater people <laughs> period right i'd should be like how dare you <laughs> right but like get over yourself we're just here in this particular moment so that thought affords us and affords our team the the notion that like actually anything is possible and where are we? And it's this notion of, of momentum of where are we taking it? We are stewards of this particular moment of this particular type of business. Where are we going to take it? And how are we going to leave it in a better place than when we found it? Those are the guiding principles for, for us. I love that. I mean, because I, two thoughts. One, our business, you know, evolved along the way as well. And I think, you know, it took us three years to finally say, okay, this is the absolute direction we're going. So I've been doing that the next few years and that really helped us gain momentum and volume. So, so I feel like we are, are going in the right direction. Um, the, I also feel like, and I'm not a big fan of the word disrupt. Um, but I think we are disrupting our space right now. It's kind of sounds like you guys are doing, but I love the phrase, anything goes, and there's no rules because that just gives you the freedom to, you're really going to love the saying of, the, the saying of second chances. Um, just pay attention to his idea box because I'm implementing this in the company. That's freaking awesome. But, but that ability to be rigid enough to stay the course and knowing what your core business is, but flexible enough to go, what the fuck, let's try it. You know, that's it. Um, that's it. And, and that's actually how we launched Broadway On Demand. Right. 
actually, we have a licensing business. Our core business is licensing and distributing live theater globally to professional theaters, community theaters, and high schools, period. COVID comes, all theater stops. Right. Full stop. Like not many businesses, I actually industries that, in the world. That movie of, of of Broadway shutting down and then coming back up. Yeah. It's wild. Yo. Yeah. It's wild. A full industry stop. Everybody go home. Nobody get no theater can happen whatsoever. And so we we sat sat there and we had a little bit of money in the bank and we had 15 employees. And I remember asking the th three other uh, kind of executives, we are three executives, there's three of 15. You know what <laughs> And we were like, look, we can do two things. We can either furlough everybody and save, like put all the money in the bank and just draw our salaries and wait to outlast this thing. Or we can double down, put, split our team, put them to work to navigating the cancellations and the other half of the team start a streaming tech company. Did you just pull that out of your ass? Literally pulled, pulled <laughs> out of our ass. And I love it. No, it, dude, it was this. It was, I swear you, it was this crazy. It was like, okay, I know, I literally know one person. I know a guy who lives in LA. He must know somebody. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot. Though. And I called them and then it was like, hey, Scott, uh, you know anybody who does streaming? And he was like, actually, I do, but they're in Jersey. And I was like, oh my God, that's crazy. Okay. <laughs> so like I called and this guy and a streaming platform that was a modular streaming platform. And I said, look, I have this crazy idea. I think things are going to pivot to online for some time and people are going to kind of do remote or at the time I was thinking like people would perform, but there would be no audience or like, you know, I was trying to figure out what it was going to be. And uh, from, I would say, we started that process in mid-February of, of 20, and we launched May 17th, Broadway On Demand of 2020, which is a bunch of theater kids who acted like we got, you know, we got hoodies and everything. That's <laughs> awesome. We're acting like tech entrepreneurs and, and then launched and like. We had billions of people watching these streams all over the place. And we were like, what is happening? This is insane, right? So you have no idea where it's going to go, but you've got to be willing to take the risk if you see the disruption happening. And it's a leap of faith, man. At, at some point in time, it's always a leap of faith, right? And we tried to protect the core business, but we did. It, it, was, it was touch and go at some moments. We weren't sure if it was all going to work out, right? Well, and I have so because we did the same thing right at COVID. Uh, we we decided we were going to launch the networking groups uh, in uh, beginning of March. We launched the first group March twenty fourth of twenty twenty, mm -hmm. um, and have been mm -hmm. building them ever since. Kind of cool trajectories, um, you know. With that, but but there's there's so much. Right? We we were grew up in a generation of this is the way you do things. You know, like you know, I, I go back to, I didn't even know you could start a business until I was 40, right? You know, that's just a generation that we grew up in. How do you think we've been able to evolve to this more fuck it, let's try it type mentality? Because um, I know I'm definitely gotten more and more in that way, which is totally like my family looks at me like I got two heads the most times, you know, and the crazy things that I continue to try and do. Where do you think that, that, because it's not innate, not in me. I know exactly where it comes from. Okay. I know exactly where it comes from. It comes from putting three bricks down and a plank of wood and trying to run your bike over and jump over somebody. <laughs> right, right. That's where it comes from. That's what we did. Yep. We were Oops. like, fuck it, let's try it. Right. And kids right. nowadays would be like, wait, you made a ramp out of what? <laughs> exactly what we did. Right. And we were like, we're that's our generation. Yep. And like, and it was only funnier if you landed on the yes, yes. Like it was, and most likely that bike wasn't like one cool bike. It was ours was like three bikes put together to make one cool bike. You know? <laughs> right. That's where it comes from. And so like this notion, like what could possibly go wrong? And I think there's, that's okay. When you have nothing to lose, mm. you have everything to gain. 
Yep. And and one of the things, this is a thing that I'm I'm struggling with or that weighs on me now, right? I have an established business. Right. My my it has my, and I often think this, has my fuck it threshold dropped. Mm-hmm. Right. Because and and what is that like? Like how how much can I risk? Like I have I have a lot more now. <laughs> right. And a lot more lives and, unpack and everything else, right? You know, that's right. That's right. And so, so like, that's it. Now, I don't want to, and this is the, the kind of the self-work, or this is the stuff I think about when I'm out running, you know, 20 yeah. miles. And I'm like, I don't want to lose that edge of being able to, to push and ride it because I'm worried that something existential is going to happen to the business, right? But by the same, at the same token, I also don't, I don't want to play too safe. And I don't want to be too risky. And part of me is, you know, I probably live my life a little bit on the side of more risk because I feel like, well, what's the worst that can happen? We go back to, you know, sleeping in the closet. Right. My values, my personal values, right? My family, health, who I am, how I like, that's the thing that means the most to me. And I think that gives me a little bit of liberty to be able to live on that other side of risk. Right. I, I'm but with you. I, yeah, yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I mean, I'm like, my wife and I have already been through hell and back, you know, she's riding, dying with me through this whole thing. So she's going to be around yep. no matter what happens. Yeah. I'm uh, Wondery came out with a new podcast called business movers. And so I'm listening to the story of Hershey, um, and how, uh, uh, Mr. Hershey created the whole Hershey company and everything. And it's fascinating. Um, and the part that I just got through was sugar prices were e- e- extravagant. So he bought a whole bunch of manufacturing plants down in Cuba um, and started buying up all the sugar markets. Well, he made a bet that the sugar futures would stay at like $25 a bushel or whatever sugar goes for. And so he bought an immense amount of sugar at this $25 a barrel, whatever, you know, price point. Within a few months, the market crashed. And so now sugar was going for like four cents a barrel, but he was locked in this $25 a barrel Mm -hmm. type thing. And it almost cost him all of Hershey. So, and as I'm walking, doing my walk with this podcast, I'm like, all right, what's the biggest, dumbest thing that you can bet on that would cause that? And I'm like, you can make any decision between that and and not making a decision. That that's your playground. Um, That's right. Yeah. Uh, I love the idea of what's the worst thing that can happen here. Like if this goes catastrophically failure, what's the worst case scenario and can we ride it out from there? So that, that's right. Help me through a lot of it. Dude, we could do this all day. Uh, you're a fascinating guy to talk yeah, totally. to. Um, yeah, uh, same. So this is a lot of fun. Um, I, um, so tell them really quick about the Harry Potter Broadway, everything. Cause I want to make sure they understand, um, all of that. Cause we, yeah, we so, touched it a couple of times. But. Yeah. Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, um, running on Broadway, running in the West End. Um, there's two different experiences if people have the ability. Um, I, you know, going to the West End to see it, it's a different, it's a little bit different show. So the the original version of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child is actually two parts. It's two three-hour-long shows wow. that make one six-hour-long epic story, which is phenomenal um, and worth every second to to, to go through it. And, you know, I've done it a few times and like you go, you have lunch, you go to the first part, there's an intermission, you go and have dinner and you go back and you finish the show. Like it's crazy, oh, wow. right? It's a, like you spend your whole day immersed in Harry Potter, <laughs> which is wild. It's really cool. Um, on Broadway, they've condensed the two um, and then um, they've tapped us to take that um, and to uh, distribute it out to first and foremost, which was uh, what we recommended. Um, to schools around the world to be able to, uh, for kids to be able to tell this amazing story of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. So we've worked with the creative team to uh, bring the show down to about a little over two hours. And then we found um, two uh, pilot programs for the first two productions. The first production is going to be done um, in a underserved community inside London. um, In a school. I mean, the kids, you know, lost their mind. And the second one is going to be done in... In Hoboken, New Jersey, there's a great video on our socials about when we announced in Hoboken, New Jersey, the kids lost their damn mind. You know, like <laughs> you guys awesome. should be one of the first people in the world to produce the show 
no other professional theater, right from Broadway to there. And of course, like, the, you know, the Broadway community is going to descend on this little high school and, oh, and sure. booking community, which would be awesome. So, so we do that. And then um, we've been tapped with like distributing it globally. Right. And so there's, there's productions that are going to be occurring in Australia and uh, productions occurring in South Africa and, and Japan. And right. And so that's what we do. We manage all of those individual productions. Um, this year alone, we've done about 25,000 productions in 90 countries wow. of all different shows, all different Broadway shows. And that's what we do on behalf of the authors and underlying rights holders. We manage the IP and maximize the value of their intellectual property in all distribution streams and distribution markets. Um, so basically, you know, our, our, our vision statement is make everyone a theater person, um, which goes oh, back to the top of our conversation, yeah. you know, and, and, and theater should be a right. Not, not a privilege. I love that, dude. Well done. Well done. What a cool business model. I love when something comes out of nothing like that. That's just, 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 it's inspiring, man. Seriously. So well no, thank done. You. I appreciate that. How do people get in touch with you? How do they reach out and they want to learn more? Yeah. Yeah. Broadwaylicensing.com or uh, licensecursechild.com. They can check out both those things. Um, and then all of our suite of companies are there. We do do streaming. Um, we represent Arthur Miller and Tennessee Williams, so you can find all the different nice. content that we have on those particular websites. That's awesome, brother. Well, dude, thanks for doing this with me. Um, yeah, my pleasure. And guys, if you're still hanging out with us as part of this conversation, do me a favor. Take a screenshot wherever you're listening or watching this. Tag me and Sean in this thing. If I find it, I'll make sure to come comment. I'm pretty sure Sean will come and comment if he sees it. But otherwise, love you, mean it. See you, bye. When I created Success Champions, it was on the idea that most people make themselves an island as they're growing their business. Yet they just don't want people to know how bad things are because if anybody knew how bad things are, nobody would do business with you. So like me, they don't often reach out for advice. They don't get support. They just try and put their head down and grind through it. And let's be honest, man, that, that lifestyle sucks. And when you're constantly trying to find yourself to push through it and figure it out on your own, it often leads to misery. We created Success Champions so you don't make yourself an island, so you don't build your business alone. There are a ton of people that are going through it on the same journey that are looking for the same advice you are. Maybe they've been through it and are looking to help. So come hang out with Success Champions. Go to successchampionnetworking.com, go visit one of our peer groups, and let's help you actually get to business freedom. Don't build your business alone. Come hang with us as Success Champions.